Welcome to episode 35 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci, and I'm your film and TV travel guide. This week, you'll learn about a special place in Las Vegas that was a regular for such legend as Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, and Elvis Presley. Oh, and some members of the mob, too. And if you visit, you can sit exactly where they sat. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Today's the last day of June as I upload this podcast. It's so hard to believe that it's going to be July 1st, 2020 already. Yet at the same time, I want 2020 to be over. So figure that one out. <laughs> but it not much is really going on that's different from last week's podcast. So today I decided to jump right in to the interview of the week after just talking about one or two things. I can tell you that my only visit so far to Las Vegas was a few years ago. EJ and I stayed at the Fremont Hotel and Casino, which is right at the heart of the Fremont experience, which is definitely an experience. We were only in Vegas for a few days, and I love to play the slots, so I played the slots as much as I could. Unfortunately, they weren't very kind to me that day, but it was fun just to be in Vegas playing the slots. And I ate at Guy Fieri's Vegas Kitchen and Bar, located right at the Link Hotel. And I tried his signature burger with mac and cheese. Now, I can't get verification as to whether or not the Link Hotel is actually open. Their website says they're not. Their Twitter says there are. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys that if you want to go, just make sure you call ahead of time. But I can tell you that if the restaurant's open, definitely try that burger with mac and cheese if they still have it. It was delicious and filling and just really good. (laughs) Um, We also visited the Mob Museum. That's M-O-B, like Mafia Mob. Um, You can see the postcard from the museum on my Instagram account. I've been going back and looking at my trips through my postcards. I miss traveling and I can't wait to get back on the road again. And I wanted to just kind of look back and see where I've been. And there's a cool one of the Mob Museum. And there's others that I tell you why I chose what I did. Some people buy t-shirts. Some people buy hats. Some people buy tchotchkes. I buy postcards. So check it out. And if you have a favorite postcard of a favorite place, share it with me. Now, speaking of Vegas, I know it's hard to hear about all these great places to visit, no matter where they are, really. And if you're not able to get out or, you know, can't travel because, let's say, you're still under quarantine or you have health issues or even financial issues, it's okay. Don't stop the podcast. Don't stop listening to a travel podcast. I'm hoping that what my travel podcast does is inspire you. Start a notebook or a file on your computer filled with all the places that you want to see. Learn more about where you want to go. Do you want to go to Italy? Take this time to learn how to speak Italian or learn about the areas that you want to visit and make a list of the places you absolutely know you have to see when you get there. Read, watch videos, documentaries, and maybe even price out your dream trip. Isn't it good to know exactly how much that trip's going to cost you? But just because you might not be able to do anything now doesn't mean the day won't come that you'll be able to finally travel. And don't you want to be ready when it finally does arrive? So speaking of that, let's jump back to Vegas because Vegas was actually part of a 
three-area trip, if you want to say, that I went on uh, several years ago. I went to Arizona first, uh, popped over to Vegas, and then went to California for a conference that I had to attend. And uh, I figured this was the perfect time to tie in getting to Arizona and seeing the Grand Canyon and then going to Vegas. I'd never been there. Um, And I had a great time on all three places, uh, but I would not have been able to do any of that if I didn't start thinking way ahead of time, knowing I had this conference to go to as to what else could I do. So that's another great way of thinking about your trips is if you have to go somewhere, even if it's just to visit a family member, what can you do in the area that you've never done before? So if you haven't been to this place that you're about to learn about, put it on your radar if you're going to be in Vegas. You're about to find out why, and it really has a very interesting history. So enjoy the interview, and I'll see you on the other side. So today we're talking steak, steakhouse, Golden Steer Steakhouse to be precise in Las Vegas, Nevada. And my guest on Real Travels today is Amanda Signorelli, the managing partner of the Golden Steer Steakhouse. Welcome, Amanda. Hello. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. First of all, before we get to start talking about the steakhouse and its incredible history, let's talk a little bit about Vegas because before we got on the phone, you you know, we talked a little bit about how it opened up a little bit and tell me kind of what's going on in Vegas right now. Yeah, absolutely. Great question to kick it off, setting a little bit of context on what a interesting situation and that's kind of the most polite way I can phrase it right now we are at this time. So the, for, Nevada, for Nevada overall and for Vegas, everybody knows that while COVID's been really hard across the United States in different ways, but it's been difficult for everyone. Vegas, first and foremost, though, our entire economy is predicated on tourism for the most part. It's the largest center of where all of our life comes in. Even at a given month, typically you can see about 3 million tourists, so we can become the size of Chicago in one month with just the people that are coming into town. And once when people stopped having the ability to travel and COVID really hit, you saw those numbers drop within pretty much that first week. And then officially on March 17th was when we had our lockdown begin and initiate. And everyone was looking around trying to see how long is this going to be before we're going to be able to reopen? When is it going to be safe? How do we think about the fact that Vegas has been designed and built for large crowds, large quantities of people, getting them in and out of these spaces and do that in a place that's going to be safe and responsible and a method that everybody feels comfortable with. So we were all watching and trying to see how this goes. And unfortunately for Nevada, during that time, we became the number one state in terms of unemployment. So right now in the state, we're up to 30% that are unemployed, which is heartbreaking to see. So it's really hit us in terms of an economy very, very hard. And we're all trying to get an understanding of how do we get this up and going? How do we get people feeling comfortable flying in, driving in, traveling again? What do we need to do to make sure this is as safe as possible so that folks are willing to come back out? Because there will be people who do have the ability to do so and are willing to take some of those risks. And we want to make sure that we're the number one and the number one, both in terms of preference and safety, that people want to come and visit. So I'm guessing when you, you know, you say, how do we do all of this, that you work closely with the tourism board and with even other restaurants trying to come up with some sort of solutions to this, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. What I think is really impressive and wonderful about the Vegas community in particular is we're very interconnected. All the restaurateurs work closely with each other. We all know folks that are at the casinos that are actively working on this. We're having conversations with them. We're exchanging ideas. We're talking to all the organizations throughout the city because this really is a shared problem. We're all fighting for our industry. We're all fighting for tourism. So the more that we can share our ideas together, the better and stronger we come out to be able to say, hey, you know what, we tried this and it really didn't work versus this idea was actually a home run. Let's try and implement that. There's a lot of that collaboration in town because we all have a shared goal. So now you your doors have opened a little bit. Talk about, you know, what you're allowed to do or are you completely open at this point? Yeah, so right now we are at the 50% capacity restriction, but we do have indoor dining, and we also are maintaining the six-foot social distancing between all of our tables and our space. We also have um, a few slot machines that are in our actual establishment, which means that we not only are looking to make sure we're uh, instituting all of the regulations from the Southern Nevada Health Department, but also from the Gaming Control Board. So we have both parties that we're looking at to make sure everything is spaced out appropriately, and people are feeling safe. Um, Then there are a few things that are being done which are not typically required but are kind of seen as the best practices. So most establishments that you're going to see pretty much across the board in Vegas are going to have their employees wearing face masks, which all of our employees are wearing branded face masks and everybody has increased sanitization procedures. For us, in fact, we actually created a separate position which is just one person who now goes around to the booths, who goes around to the tables, who goes around to the doorknob, Every ounce of that restaurant is cleaned every second. There's just one person now who goes around and cleans at all times that we're open. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I know that this is nothing compared to what you guys go through. But even just when I went into Target one day, like, they, I went up to the register and the person before me, I wasn't expecting some target person to cut me off and wipe the whole thing down before I used it. I mean, it's something <laughs> you have to get used to it. I mean, even where you put the credit card in, you, you just have to get used to this new way. And uh, I'm sure that from an employee standpoint, as well as, a, you know, customer standpoint, it, it's all a matter of getting used to how these things are going to be at least for a while. Yeah, at least for a while and beyond, right? So I think there's some few things that probably won't really ever go away. So, for example, all of the establishments across the board now have a ton of hand sanitizer, right? Every little corner and there's another station so that you can make sure, all right, you wash your hands, you use the hand sanitizer. You're doing both. I don't really think that ever goes away. I think we now are going to be a much more cleanly operating model for most in this industry moving forward, even past the point where we have a vaccine for COVID. There's some things that will definitely stick. I think some changes in the model where we're all putting this kind of up, upgraded focus on sanitization will stay. I definitely think that's the case. Face masks, I believe, will eventually go away, um, but there will be some things that stick, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what trends do remain with us and which ones don't. We'll be curious to see what happens to to-go, if that becomes a much larger business than even it was before, especially pickup. That's a whole new revenue stream that a lot of us hadn't really looked into, so it'll be interesting to see what goes and what stays. It will be, and I'd, I'd love to actually check in with you down the road again to kind of see how things are going, um, you know, uh, just maybe even six months from now and see if things are different. 
Um, you know, in the meantime, let's tell the listeners why you and your steakhouse are on this podcast, um, because obviously I'm a film and TV travel podcast, and you have, your steakhouse has a huge background in certain celebrities that kind of made their selves known there, right? So tell our audience a little bit about your history. The Golden Steer Steakhouse was founded back in 1958, so we've been in business for over 60 years, which makes us the longest tenured steakhouse in Las Vegas. We've also become the most iconic steakhouse here in Vegas, and a big part of that is exactly as you referenced, due to the celebrities that have been frequenting our establishment for years. The way that we look at it is it's kind of broken out into three phases, and that first phase came in where all the celebrities out in California used to come out to Nevada for hunting initially, and so they'd be out here they'd be hunting animals, it was a big kind of recreational activity, whatever they were hunting, they actually brought to the Golden Steer Steakhouse, and we would then cook. So if you look at the first iterations of our menu, you'll see a lot of snake, you'll see a lot of bison, you'll see a <laughs> lot of other, like, gamey things, which is super interesting to imagine, and even some of the chefs were like, oh, I remember back in the day when we were cooking rattlesnake, and you're like, oh my gosh, what wow. a world. Uh, so that was kind of like phase one. And then with that, because we started pulling in some of these celebrities, we had that next phase, which is what we kind of think about as like the showman period, which really came down to the fact that everybody was starting to get these big shows out in Vegas and people were performing every night. And what would happen is people would be coming out from LA. It's a longer drive. And then they'd have these shows at 11 at 12 o'clock. And so all these entertainers would say, let's get dinner. Let's do drinks. Let's have a great time. Let's kind of build up the excitement and momentum and then go out and actually do our show and very quickly what happened was we became the spot for all of these entertainers specifically the Rat Pack so we had Sammy Davis Jr., we had Frank Sinatra we had Dean Martin and they would just take over our dining area and it became the go-to spot for them so then we ended up with Joe DiMaggio Joey Bishop and then we had Marilyn Monroe and this became a big scene to go here especially because we were so close to the strip and then go perform afterwards and we still have all of those booths now to commemorate them so that was kind of like phase two. And then, of course, you know, when you start attracting celebrities, you also sometimes get the other side of the coin, which was the mob. And so for us, <laughs> we ended up also hitting the mob. And we had quite a few of these mobsters around town who were really the ones that a lot of credit has given to kind of being the original godfathers of Vegas to get it built up the way that it is. And they would come in and they'd dine here and they'd make sure that certain mobsters had tables. And then if they were in the different mob, they were in a separate space. And we became the go-to spot for Tony Spilatro. And what's really interesting that people sometimes still can't get over is one of the nicknames during that time period that we got was The Last Supper. And the reason why was Tony Spilatro dined at the Golden Steer Steakhouse. He was actually served by a server we still have at the Golden Steer named Fabian. And the next day was when he was killed by the mobsters. And so we got the nickname from that of The Last Supper. So we've had all these very interesting people that have kind of come in and kept all of these pieces there, but really preserved what is true Vegas. Okay, I have so many questions. Like, I, oh my God. So the guy who served Tony still works there? Part-time. He's there. <laughs> wow. I, I, that's a story in itself. I mean, it, it, that's amazing. And and some of these, you know, you, you left off like there's Elvis Presley too is there, right? Yep, Elvis Presley, Muhammad Ali. And then even in the modern day, we started pulling in celebrities like Holly Madison, Mario Andretti. And so we've really kept up this kind of ability to, and I think a lot of it comes down to the ambiance and our commitment to preserving fine dining. But with that has come all these celebrities across every single chapter. 
Now, if I come there as a fan, you know, if my listeners are like, hey, I want to stop by, can I sit in the booths that, like, Frank Sinatra sat in? Yes, absolutely. So all the booths still have kind of the original iconic patron who used to come there. So Frank's booth is one that gets reserved quite far out in advance. People love it. The other one is Maryland. And what's really interesting now is during COVID times, obviously, since all of our booths are things that our patrons love, we were like, okay, if we can't use all of our booths, how do we make sure you still get to enjoy this experience without it feeling sterile or empty because you have these capacity restrictions? So what we've done is we've actually found wax light statue replicas of some of the iconic celebrities and put them in their booths. So now when you go look at the Marilyn Monroe booth, it's literally Marilyn Monroe with Joey. That's awesome. <laughs> but okay, so so you can you can reserve a spot in them, but they can't people may not be able to sit next to you in the other booth, so that's why you put the Correct. Oh, okay. Okay. So what if I want the Marilyn one? You take out Marilyn and put in Frank? <laughs> Marilyn's out of tuition for a little bit. She's got herself sitting there. She's enjoying her seat to see everybody else. But Frank's still up and running. So you can definitely reserve the Sinatra booth. Oh, that's that's awesome. So I also saw that you guys ship. Like, if you can't get to Vegas, do you, like, ship food? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought this up. In light of coronavirus, we immediately started thinking, okay, a lot of our fantastic and loyal customers who've been coming to us, you know, three or four times a year are actually not based here in Vegas. They're throughout the entire world. So now that we've been closing our dining rooms were empty, how in the world can we make sure we can still deliver that experience? And so during coronavirus, we launched a product which allowed us to ship frozen meat. It's the same meat we use at the restaurant across the United States. And what's really neat about it is we've been sourcing this same meat from the same vendors, the same farmers for years and years and years. And to this point, we been able to develop these amazing long-standing relationships that have resulted in us being able to carry the top six percent of beef in america and that is very difficult to get so it's really the creme de la creme and now we can ship it all across the united states oh i think i just drooled (laughs) (laughs) um so with with the restaurant opening a little bit if i'm coming in from out of town do you recommend a reservation still you know even if it's like three months from now yeah we certainly recommend reservations uh we also imagine that that will be something that's increasingly encouraged still by southern nevada health department but reservations are highly highly encouraged especially because during these times with the 50 percent capacity we don't know how long that'll last seating is certainly tight. So we always recommend reservations. We've been lucky that we've been incredibly busy since we reopened. So reservations, definitely. That's awesome. And I, you know, I I wish you guys the best and really hope that this was just a small blip in, uh, you know, Vegas and and everybody being able to turn everything around, um, you know, and how can my listeners find out more information on the steakhouse? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to go ahead and go to Golden Steer Steakhouse Las Vegas, and on there you'll see a bit about our history. You'll also see the ability to ship steaks across the nation if you want to give it a try at home and you're not able to travel, make reservations, and then see the pictures come to life. And then you can always see, which is super fun, some of the mannequins that I mentioned on our Instagram account and Twitter, which is Golden Steer LV. Awesome. Amanda, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time and letting us tell our story. We really appreciate it. Not a problem. And next time I'm in Vegas, I'm stopping by. So save that seat next to Frank for me. 
You got it. We'll get the salt with the table side flambe. Sounds good. All right. I'll talk with you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Travels podcast. I'm Lisa Iannucci, again, your host, and I do hope you enjoyed that interview. Please follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Virgin Traveler. And if you have a minute, maybe leave me a review about this podcast on iTunes. Or, you know, they have those little stars. You can always click. Five would be great. But whatever you feel would be terrific, too. It would really help me out to spread the word. Tell your friends about the podcast. And in the meantime, I will definitely be back again. I will see you next week.